I, hello, everybody. I didn't realize I was going to have a supporting act. And usually the supporting act is the one who's still trying to find their way before the, the queen arrives. But, <laughs> but they're really... Um, it's going to be a tough one to follow, so it's nice to have you guys back. I have not done a Britney before with that mic thing, so I need to practice that before next time. Anyway, we'll just, we'll just stay like this. So, me. I, um, I don't really know where to start because it's just like, uh, you, you probably all know, I run um, C2C Social Action, which stands for Crime to Christ which is affiliated with um, The Good Loaf, and people probably don't quite know how that fits together, and we could have a whole session on that. But basically, The Good Loaf is a bakery, which is the trading arm of the wider charity of which I run both. But I'm also a mum of three teenagers, so we could talk about that all all day. And um, I have a husband, we could also talk about him all day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm currently camping. He phoned me at about 8 o'clock to say he's ready to come home, so that's a good sign. Um, so where to start? I don't even know where to start because before, before I knew God, I look back now and I know God still had his hand on my life, although I didn't even know that. So we could start way back then, but I think we'll bring it in a bit. And I think probably one of the most significant moments for me when I look back was when um, I was at our previous church where I got saved and the pastor's wife said to me, I just, my stepdaughter had come to live with us. And I'd taken her up to the youth group, which was in like a little flat upstairs. And it was just chaos. It was absolutely chaos. It was like 40 kids and then like one youth leader. And it was like really horrible. And um, I said, the youth leader was actually my hairdresser, who's still my hairdresser. And I said, oh, I'll help you. This is is horrible. This is really terrible. I'll come on a Sunday and I'll help you. So I decided, okay, I'll be a youth worker. And um, within five minutes, the pastor's wife had had a word for me. And she said, you're in your training ground. And I wasn't very impressed because I thought I'd landed. This was me now. I was a youth worker and this was what God had for my life. And I look back now and it really was my training ground. From when I had, um, when I was saved, I always just really felt a a heart for vulnerable women and broken women and, um, and, you know, women that needed the restoration really. And um, I had spoken to an organization called um, Hope, Hope for Justice that works with trafficked women and things like that. And they said, if you want to help women um, in the re- their rehabilitation after they've been trafficked or they've been victims of sexual abuse or, or, or anything like that, you can either become a social worker or you could become a counselor. So I signed up to the uni to become a social worker and just for one reason or another, it just didn't work out well. Like, even induction days were days I couldn't go to and all sorts of things. So I went back to Ben Cooley and I said, okay, well, I've tried to become a social worker and that's not going well. So now what do I do? And he said, well, you need to become a counsellor then. So I said, okay, that's fine. So I signed up to the Manor House and did a diploma for, in Christian counselling through that. And that was really significant. I just thought, you know, at the time I didn't realise how significant it was going to be. But between doing the counselling diploma at Manor House and... Um, being a youth worker at church, I managed to land myself a whole six hours a week working at Campbell Square Police Station in custody. And it seems really small, but that's really where my journey began with C2C, with Crime to Christ. And what I would do is um, two evenings a week, I'd go into um, custody here at Campbell Square, and my job was to talk to young people who had offended because of drug and alcohol, um, because of uh, addiction or just, you know, being 
you know, messing around with drugs and alcohol. Often it was like throwing a brick through somebody's window, stuff like that. And I would talk to these young people um, in custody and then offer to help them if they wanted help. And to be honest with you, most of them, they were young teenagers and stuff like that, and life was actually just a bit of a joke and a bit of a game. And I remember myself, that was me, and I, you know, I just didn't even know how I would even start to change or speak into these lives because I was permanently excluded. My children know this from like three or four schools. I was like, I was a nightmare. My mom sent me to school like the other side of the country. I was in boarding school, so they didn't have to see me and all sorts of things. And I just knew at that age... I just was not interested in hearing about God or hearing anything sensible for an adult or anything like that. But what did quickly happen was I came to realize that you couldn't work with a young person without working with the family if things were going to change. And all of these young people that I tried to work with, they all had mums, they all had dads, and often the mums would be single mums on benefits, often on probation orders, in abusive relationship, things like that. And often dads were in and out of prison or not there or they were there but not totally functioning in a great way and things like that. And I quickly started to work with the family. And it was through that that um, I just started to go... It was like mentoring, if you can imagine mentoring like that. Um, I started to go to probation appointments with these mums and build up relationship with probation workers down at Bridge Street. Um, and, and it was a very, very practical what we would do, what the organization do, would do. So it was things like taking people for appointments, helping with food parcels from, from here, things like that, um, arranging counseling for them, going to meetings at the school with them. It wasn't anything really specialist, but it was really just work, walking alongside these families and what I also realized was there were services out there to help people, but often people wouldn't engage with them because they were nervous or they were scared or they just didn't get out of bed, really, sometimes. So it was just, you know, kind of being that person alongside to say, come on, we need to do this, let's do this. And then five, six, six years ago now, um, the Ministry of Justice um, invested some money in Northamptonshire because we were one of the worst... Um, counties for sending female offenders to prison for short sentences. So these were often low-risk le- low sentences, first-time offenders would go to Peterborough Prison. And actually, if you're a, a mum or a dad um, and you go to prison for four or six weeks, it does absolutely nothing. It does nothing for you. You're not in there long enough to, to have any form of rehabilitation or education or anything like that. But you come out and you're on the back foot. Sometimes you would have lost your house in that period. Your kids would have gone into care, things like that. And it's just, you're actually worse off that you would have missed, missed your job center appointments and all sorts like that. And that's really where C2C's big break was. Because I had been working with probation, with, the, with these single mums often and these, these parents, um, probation said to, said to C2C, we've got this money we're terrible at sending women to prison for short sentences. Can you help us? And we said, yes, we can, we can. And we um, C2C quickly um, teamed up with Nen Valley, um, was Nen Valley Refuge, it's now called Eve, um, to work with these women. And that's kind of like where, it's, where it's, it's, it really started. At that point, I had been working from the back of my car. There was just two employees at C2C and... Um, Duke Street Church behind us here said, oh, we have a spare room. Do you want to use it? We're like, yeah, awesome. So I had a desk at this point and a filing cabinet. 
no, wi no internet, it was just bunked off the Wi-Fi, the caretaker's Wi-Fi, and all, each had a mobile phone, and that, that was us for a while. It was really, really small beginnings. Julie, who runs the charity, said to us, okay, we need to make some money. We can't just be grant reliant in all of that, so let's, let's, um, let's create a business then, shall we? And we said, okay... Let's, let's do that then. And it was, it was, we, we tried a couple of things, and they were useless, and they really didn't work at all. One was a gardening business. It's all sorts of things. And then we said to Julie, do you know what? We're actually not really good at running a business because um, we're support workers. We're not business people. So we, um, we agreed then that we would um, apply for a grant to employ someone to open a business. And really, that's where the good loaf came into being. And um, Debbie worked with us. She looked at different businesses as to what would make money, but also what would benefit the people we're working with. And um, very quickly going through all of this, um, the, the, we spoke to loads of service users, and a bakery was what they thought they would engage with us best with. So we did that. We, we took a whole year. It's been a long, long, long haul. We took a whole year to... to um, come up with a good business plan and apply for funding. We applied for lottery funding. And I remember it was an August day. I was picking my kids up from um, the Saints um, Holiday Club and we got a call from the lottery. It must have been August 2014. And they said, oh, congratulations. You're successful in your grant to open your bakery. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was absolutely petrified. I was like, oh, man. And it was just like the radio wanted to talk to us and the newspapers and everything. And from that point, that, that day, that August day, it was still another whole year before we opened our doors to the public. It was We then opened in July 2015. And um, I just kind of look at how God's been through that process with us. And um, one of the big things was we're granted $386,000, which was pounds, which was absolutely huge for us. And um, we had this money just about in our back pocket. And it was such a hassle to find a building, such a hassle. And um, we eventually, um, through lots and lots of um, trial and tribulation, found the the premises we're at in Overston Road, just around the corner. It's first floor. It doesn't have a great lift. It's got no parking. It's completely rubbish in the eyes of even us. And um, But it was all we had. It was all we had at the time. And the lottery was actually saying to us, if you do not find a building and actually start this bakery you keep talking about, we're taking the money back. So we, we went and saw this landlord and went in, and I remember him saying to us, Oh, I'm not renting this building to any happy clappies. So we're like, hmm, okay. Yeah, no, no, wouldn't do that either, really. But <laughs> and um, and it, we, we got the keys for that building in absolutely record-breaking time. But what has been absolutely amazing through it is that um, it was we were never planned to have a cafe and be open to the public. Our whole our business plan was always about having a wholesale bakery, to break baking bread all night and then going out and delivering to customers in the morning on a wholesale basis, which we do. We have 30, so the Good Loaf opened. We have 30 um, wholesale customers now. As we have University of Northampton is probably our biggest one, and um, daily bread, ground coffee, lots of um, McGee, um, uh, plum partridge, lots of places like that. And then we try and work alongside places like McGee Street and the other um, bakeries and, the t um, and cafes in the town. So we did that, but... We actually got this huge building, and 
we had this big space. So we thought, I don't know, should we have a cafe in it then, really? And we then decided to have a cafe. If you come into the Good Loaf, you'll see absolutely nothing matches. And that was because we had no money to open a cafe. It was never in the plan. So we just put out a big shout for anybody got tables, chairs, cups, saucers, knives, forks, anything like that would be useful. And people came and they painted and they donated and they gave. And um, the cafe then became, came into being. And I tell you what, over the last two years since we've been open, it's been the impact of the public that has had a huge, huge influence. So that people like you coming and buying coffee on the people we work with. We, um, in, in the Good Loaf, we, we, um, run a, so we run a 12-week program which a lot of people do know, some people don't know. Um, and it's sort of behind the scenes, it's in, it's in the back. So ladies sign up for 12 weeks. They're either trying to break the cycle of offending or the cycle of unemployment. And they say sign up for a 12-week course. One day a week they have to do a, a classroom-based activity. So that's like CV writing, interview skills, and things like that. Tammy helps with a lot of that. Um, food safety certificates and things like that. And one day a week they're actually in the cafe and they can choose which, which days they do that. And when we did our first course, our very first course, so that was June 2015, we had ladies sitting in our training room, and we put a huge amount of effort into getting this 12-week program just right, um, who said, you know what, I've done this. I've done this in prison. I've done this at the job centre. The job centre sent me for a course. I have my food safety certificate. I have this. I have that. But no one's given me a chance to work in their shop or get a job with them. So actually the cafe, which was never a part of the plan, has been a huge, huge, um, has had a huge impact on the ladies we work with. But Because actually we've allowed them to work on our till, serve our real customers, trust them with our real life business. Not just stuck them in a back room and given them, given them a couple of certificates and told them to go out. And the whole idea behind the good loaf is to train and equip and to break the cycles that's holding people back. And it, it's been, I could sit here like I do a lot of, um, a lot of talks and, uh, you know, t- just tell you I've been to Buckingham Palace and I've been to Downing Street and I've been to all these places. And we have to say how awesome we are. We do. It's, it's what we do. So we've got a market, we've got all these wholesale customers, we've given all these people jobs. But actually it's really, really hard It's really hard, and I'm not often allowed to say that. So I thought I'd just come up here and I'd just be real with you. And I think on a daily basis for the team, it's trying to just kind of differentiate what what it, you know, trying to get it right between compassion and boundaries. And with everybody we work with, trying to have grace and be non-judgmental and and accept them, but also keep in the light the truth and the challenge. And we don't only work with women. I know the good loaf is women, but just to say we do work with men as well and we work with young people. And Jane, bless her heart, has that job. And um, I think it doesn't matter who we're working with, with it, whether it's a young person or a, or, or a lady or a man, it's like, have we done the right thing? Every day it's like, have we done the right thing? And I don't think um, everybody's story is different. There's no one cookie, cookie cuts that cuts all the stories. They have all been, most of them have been victims of domestic abuse. Most of them have come from broken homes. Most of them have had parents that are addicts and things like that. And that's where, you know, to act justly, love mercy and walk humbly is really important to us. Because we fight for justice both ways, though. If somebody's done wrong, 
we need to address it. But if they've been wronged, we also need to address it. But it's trying to balance that up every day, and it's, and it's difficult. It's really hard. I mean, one, I think for me, <coughs> as the chief exec, or general dog's body who's stupid enough to do the job, it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, the buck stops with me. When environmental health comes in and we get a one, we didn't, we got a five. But that's me. I need to sit there at the, at the table with the board and explain that and things like that. I need, to have, I need to make sure there's money in the bank to pay those wages. But actually, that's not the difficult part of the job. The difficult part of the job is just trying to think in each moment, what would Jesus do here? And are we being fair? Are we facilitating people to live a life of crime? and not move on in a life of addiction, or are we actually doing what God wants us to do? It talks in Hebrews about discipline, training, things like that being difficult, and it's, it's actually unpleasant. It's really unpleasant. But then it also talks about um, having the fruit of righteousness if you've been through that. And I guess that's what, what as a team, we aim for all the time. And we... Um, it's hard when you can't talk Jesus to people all the time because we as a team can do that. We, we, we pray together every morning. You know, we have, a, we have a, a food and faith for our service users, stuff like that. And there's some you can talk Jesus to and there's some you can talk, talk like that, but some you can't. And, um, you know, I think it's just getting that right all the time. We, we have got great stories. We've got ladies who have been sent to us by the courts They've come, they've volunteered with us, they've worked with us, they're team leaders now, they're full-time employed, they've break, broken the cycle of offending. Some of them I've even taken back to the magistrate courts and to the crown court to share their story with people who sentenced them and put them behind bars. And often I can have one of those people standing next to me here to share their story, which is all really nice. But what really grieves me and breaks my heart is the person that hasn't done that, that we haven't been able to help. We had a, a girl just, I'm probably going to cry. <laughs> Tammy knows it all she come, she's our guest speaker prayer time on a Wednesday we had a girl who you know I, I, really, I really liked her I saw something really different in her and gave her a chance I didn't even know who her dad was but I was sitting in a meeting with her with probation and they said who her dad is and her dad is the only offender in Northampton we refuse to work with because he's so dangerous and you know she was doing well we gave her a job no one else would give her a job and we even had to have the paramedics out for her sometimes you know she's just like all sorts of chaos goes on and that's that's who we are you know we're the ones that give people these jobs and we we give them a chance we give them another chance she worked on our till she had a she had a key for our back door and she would just say, you know, no one's ever trusted me like this. No one's ever given me a chance. And I really thought that that was enough. I thought that that was going to be okay. And this was going to be another good story. But she came to work with leggings on one day. And she's not allowed to come to work with leggings on. She had a nice figure, but some of them don't. And, <laughs> and I said to her, you know, I've spoken to you about this. Emailed you about this. You're not allowed to come to work with leggings on or strappy vests for that matter. And it was her first month working with us. So I thought, well, maybe she just doesn't have money to buy some trousers, some work trousers. So I said to her, well, I'll tell you what. Do you, want, do you want to go to town and buy some trousers? I'll give you some money. And she said to me, oh, well, is it going to come off my wages? And I said, 
no, no, have, have these trousers on us, kind of, because we're doing the right thing, aren't we? We're the nice people. And you know what she did? She went to town. We haven't seen her since. She took that 15 pounds, and that was it. She's sofa surfing in, in Spring Boroughs now. She's off her script. She's using heroin, and it was that 15 pounds. And that's really hard. That's really, really hard to work with. And it's like, on the first, it's like, she didn't come back for an hour, and then she didn't come back for two hours. So my first was like, right, she's sacked. That's it. This is rubbish. Blah, 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 blah. I said, how long does it take someone to, pair, to, to you know, wear a pair of trousers, try a pair of trousers on? And then, you know, you start being like, actually, I'm a bit worried about you. What's happening? And by the end of the day, I'm thinking, you know what? What's going to happen if this girl's dead? What if she got mugged on the underpass coming into town? So you do the whole police thing and the whole, like, missing persons thing. And I had to phone her mum and tell her, I'm really sorry, but I sent her to town to buy some trousers and she hasn't come back. And that was six hours ago. And then you start the praying and, you know... You know, and then you just find out she just took your 15 pounds and scored. And that's hard. That's really, really hard. But what keeps us going is knowing, is that I know that I know that I know that I know that God has a plan and purpose for every single person we work with and every single person in here, in, in this place. And I know that God knows every hair on her head. And whether we sow the seed or we water or we see the harvest, God knows this girl. And sometimes, I don't know if we did right, I don't know if we did wrong, but we did our best at the time. And we pray for her, and you know what, the doors open, because on the 25th of August was payday, and um, we had heard that she was around, and I was actually on holiday, but I knew she would come for her wages. If nothing else, she would come for her wages. So I um, didn't do a transfer on the 25th, I held her wages back. So we could see her, and I left a check with, with Jane and Joan. And she did come in, and she told us how beep, 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 useless we were and all the rest of it. And you know what? We just had to... Well, I wasn't even there. We just... Jane had to say... What did you say, Jane? <laughs> we're still here for you. That's the only thing we could say. And she was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right, give me my check. And I tell you what, that, ca- that check was cashed. The cash converted within about three minutes and she would have gone and scored again. And that's the reality sometimes of who we work with. But we are there and the door is open. And that's just what we try and tell people. You know, these guys, Jane, I'll probably get you to come up as well in a second. Um, They do an amazing job, you know, because they work through all of that. And um, I've seen them behind the scenes. (laughs) And it it can literally be from tears to joy to tears in any given hour. Um, The things, um, obviously, that some of these guys have to deal with, you know, but not just that. It's the love that they continue to give, even when they just look exhausted. <laughs> you know, I show up there on a Wednesday, and it's all, I'm jolly, and these guys are just living it. It's, it's incredible. I really don't know how they do it, and I think it would be just really good if we can pray for these guys, and Jane will. 
Yeah, and um, you know, C2C have always been a key partner for us. So some of you won't know this, but we set aside about 20% of our income to give away to things that don't benefit us uh, as a church. And so a, a small part of that uh, goes to C2C. And so we're invested. Um, your money uh, helps pay James wages. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> And so, you know, this is, this is part of us. This is something that we've invested into as a church family, or we have on your behalf, um, as a church family. Also, Pete serves as a director for uh, The Good Loaf. And, and so we just, we, we, just, we just love all that C2C and The Good Loaf represents, and um, uh, I'm sure you, t- you do too. So, uh, yeah, why don't we finish up to pray for these guys, and uh, then we'll close. Quick question, is there a way that anyone sitting here today um, who's hearing that, they can get involved? Um, yeah, Jane, especially, is always looking for volunteers, <laughs> always. Um, yeah, volunteers and Jane's projects, definitely, either with young people, because we do work with young people, and they come cook, eat, talk, and things with Jane and her youth worker team, and also mainly in the police cells. We do a lot of work in the police cells with vulnerable adults and just sit with them and be sort of a guardian through um, the interview. So that's the main, the main two areas of volunteers we need. Um, but also just, you know, if you could just come have coffee, buy a cake, show the ladies your appreciation, it just really means the world, and tell people about us.